teach your children well, sings Cosby Stills, Nash and Young. That's exactly what all of us, including the Jefferson County Public School Board member Diane Porter, wants to do. Teach our children well. Welcome, friends. We are Forward Video, WFMP LP 106.5 FM. And you are listening to Solutions to Balance, a program sponsored by WFMP Radio. I'm Jim Johnson. My co-host is Jamie McMillan. Our technical engineer is Carolyn Brooks Johnson. The following is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of our guests, not the station. If you'd like to share your views, you may contact us by sending us an email to solutionsofbalance18 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Today's Solution to Balance guest is the Jefferson County Public School Board Chairwoman, Diane Porter. Diane Porter, welcome to Solution to Violence. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So, Diane Porter, you have been a parent, a teacher, a school counselor, a JCPS board member, board chair. What other positions do you consider important and which of those positions must stand out in your mind? Well, I've been in education ever since I graduated from college. So the jobs that you mentioned are jobs that I've had in education, but I have also been an assistant principal and I was first female principal for vocational school in JCPS. I was a human relations coordinator for a year. And when I left the schools, I went to central office. When I retired from the district, I was the director of the school to career office, which took me back to career and vocational education. I consider every position I had as an important position because every job I had, I tried to learn something more about education and how I could do my job more effectively for helping the students and the staff with the work that I'm doing. So they were all great jobs. I would say that my first job as a teacher was my most exciting job. I went to Mayo High School as a teacher when I graduated from the University of Louisville. The beautiful part about that was I had graduated from Mayo High School. So I went back to the school that I graduated from to start my teaching opportunity. So every job has things that helped me be a better educator. So I, I will just say that. So Diane, for, for those concerned about public education, the years 2021 and 2022 has been tumultuous to say the least. The school board meetings across the country have turned into political battlegrounds. The Jefferson County Public School Board meetings are no exception. Large groups of parents and political activists are attending public school board meetings demanding that COVID mask mandates be lifted, that in-class learning return, and that public schools stop teaching critical race theory. Let's begin with the critical race theory issue. University of Louisville Law Professor Cedric Powell on our program, Solutions to Balance, explains that critical race theory has to do with a history of litigation. Professor Powell explains that, and I'm quoting here, quote, critical race theory has to do with structural inequality and systemic racism and the continuing effect of racism in this society through its laws, its institutions, and practices, end quote. Cedric Powell explains that critical race theory is taught in upper-level university history classes and in law school, not in high schools. But Jefferson County and other public school systems have been accused of teaching critical race theory. Are the Jefferson County Public School teachers teaching critical race theory, Diane Porter? 
We are not teaching critical racism in JCPS. We are teaching history in JCPS. I have a lot of respect for Professor Powell from University of Louisville. I've served on a panel with him before, and actually we had him come to a board meeting to talk about critical race theory and how it was available at the university. If you go online, you will see it at the Brandeis School of Law. And as you mentioned, within the university, what we do teach is history, history of countries that includes the United States. So in my world that I live in, I will continue to say that we do not teach critical race theory. We teach history, all parts of history to our students but there is no class on the that a student can select that is called the critical race theory. The Kentucky State Legislature recently passed Senate Bill 1. SB 1, sponsored by John Schnickel and other Republicans, now law, impedes the teaching of African-American history, Native American history, and the teaching of the LBGDQ and women's rights movement in our public and parochial schools. SB1 is a comprehensive bill, but an American Civil Liberties Union article titled, quote, Statement Regarding New Classroom Censorship Law, Senate Bill 1, end quote, penned by Samuel Crankshaw, explains, quote, Senate Bill 1, a bill to censor discussions between teachers and students and hold teachers criminally liable for violations. End quote. The Crankshaw article goes on to state, quote, Senate Bill 1 will not only censor students and teachers, but will also dictate which materials teachers use to cover history. As Governor Andy Bashir noted in his veto message, quote, these texts were not selected by historians or scholars, but by a political body, end quote. One of the required texts is Ronald Reagan's 1964 political campaign speech quote, a time for choosing, end quote. First, is government censorship of this kind embedded in SB1? Is it constitutional? I think we received an answer this week because we did file paperwork about uh, Senate Bill 1 and how that would impact Jefferson County Public Schools. And one of the rationales for filing the uh, legal brief had to do was, was Senate Bill 1 constitutional? And we have gotten a response from the judge, which gives us the permission to go forward as a school board member for Jefferson County Public Schools. And that was helpful to us because not only the information that is that you described is not just happening in Louisville, Kentucky. This is a national effort to determine what students will learn and how we will teach the students. So I'm very pleased that the judge has given us permission to go forward with the work of the Jefferson County Board of Education. We have permission to continue our meetings the way that we have done our meetings. And Basically, he can, the judge, I'll use some of his words, confirms necessity of the lawsuit when he says these provisions are significant transfer of power away from the board and no member worthy of their position should acquiesce in such a transfer to the extent that the General Assembly enactment was unconstitutional. So those are words from the judge, because if Senate Bill 1 had been the way, had stayed the way it was presented, the board would have just been there. And we are elected by district to represent our district. So I am um, pleased that we have gotten the court ruling so that we can go forward focusing on the work of educating our children and our families and moving forward. 
So as a JCPS board member, do you believe politicians in Frankfurt should be the ones to dictate to JCPS teachers what they can and cannot teach in their classrooms? Or do you believe JCPS teachers are qualified to make those curriculum decisions without help from Frankfurt? What evidence supports your conclusion? The evidence that I will use was, I will start with the fact that I was a teacher. When I became a teacher, there were textbooks that we were given. There were things that we were told to cover. But at no point did somebody say, you have to teach it this way or you have to teach it that way. I loved being a teacher. And I think that it's easy to stand at a distance and say, do it this way. I always encourage people to come and visit our district, to visit our classes, to see what instruction looks like. I'm always open to having a conversation with people about what education looks like, what schools look like. I think that it, in fairness to instruction and to education, we have to rely on the authorities that, that know education. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. The concept of dictating to how I'm going to teach is concerning to me. And I will go back, as I said, to when I was a teacher. And if I was not teaching correctly, then there's observation, teacher observations. But if I am teaching the course correctly, okay. I think, in my opinion, until we agree to sit at a table and discuss education for our children, we will continue to have these kinds of comments. I welcome anyone to District 1, to JCPS, to talk with us, not only the board, but our teachers, and to visit to see what is going on in our schools. So Senate Bill 1 also removes the power of school-based decision-making councils and places that authority in the hands of superintendents. Before SB1, SBDM councils had the authority to hire principals. Now, only superintendents have that power. Do you believe SBDM councils should have the power to hire new principals? Why will Marty Polio and the JCPS administration continue to support the authority of SBM councils and their right to hire new principals? I think from what I understand about, I understand what, what the law says now, but then that the SBDM committee still exists. That does not mean that we do not, or that the superintendent does not work with the SBDM committee and get their thoughts. But at the end of the day, the final decision is that of the superintendent in selecting a principal. As a person who's not a superintendent, and as we look at what happens if we have a concern later on with the teacher, it would be impossible for us to go back and have a conversation with the SBDM committee. And I think in doing it this way, it is giving the superintendent not only the authority, but also the opportunity to have more knowledge as we select principals. But I do know that the superintendent, Dr. Polio, does continue to have conversations with the SBDM committee about the candidates for principalship. So recently, an article published in the July 14th, 2022 Courier Journal, penned by Morgan Watkins and Olivia Kraut, quote, judge rejects limits on JCPS board, end quote, explains that the Jefferson Circuit Court Judge Charles Cunningham, as you mentioned earlier, has declared that the portion of SB1 that limits the power of the Jefferson County Public School Board is unconstitutional and therefore unenforceable. The Courier Journal article explains that SB1 would have, quote, shifted the day-to-day -day authority over Kentucky's largest school district to the superintendent and capping the board to one meeting per month, end quote. 
the C.J. Watkins and Crowd article then quotes Diane Porter Yu, stating, quote, this ruling confirms our assertion that parts of SB1 unfairly and unconstitutionally singled out Jefferson County and would therefore, with our ability to represent the interests of the citizens and students in our school district, end quote. Why is the right of the Jefferson County Board of Education to approve decisions made by the JCBS administration so important? The JCBS board hires and fires the JCBS superintendent. If they are not happy with the decisions the superintendent is making, can't they just refuse to rehire or renew his contract? Why it's so important in terms of what the JCBS board can do? Well, I think it sounds easy to say that you remove a person from a position, but it's not necessarily easy unless something very drastic has happened. I think that it's important to work together. Again, the board is elected to represent various parts of Jefferson County, and to take the board's voice away from them is like taking the voice of the constituents away from that have elected me to represent District 1. So in understanding what they are saying about what's easy and what's not easy. I don't think that, I cannot imagine a situation nationally where someone has just gone in because of a, a decision of a superintendent, one decision, unless it's something that's been really a legal issue and said, okay, you no longer have your job. Part of the work of the board and the superintendent is to work together for the good of the education of our students. So I understand the words, but I also understand the importance of working together to do the best work that we can for the, the students in, in our district. And we have not, since I have been on the board, we have not fired a superintendent. We have not necessarily extended the contract, but there has not been a public session where there's a lot of conversation back and forth about firing someone. And during my tenure on the board, board uh, superintendents have left to go other places. So you, Diane Porter, and Judge Cunningham believe that Republican state legislators are arbitrarily thinking out the Jefferson County public school system. What evidence demonstrates that decisions made by Kentucky Republican legislators are arbitrary? And why do they want to single out JCPS? That's a question that's hard for me to answer. I think that's a question that perhaps they should answer. We are the largest district in the state of Kentucky, but that's one of the characteristics of our district. But the school districts all over the state have responsibilities. So if you're going to start taking away the work of the elected board in Jefferson County, what is to say that you won't do that in other parts of the state of Kentucky? We are the largest district and we stand by the work that we do, but we are elected to do the work. So if that's our job, then allow us to do the job. If there's a problem with how we are actually doing the work, then talk to us about that. Allow us to talk to you about that, and then also allow us to do some professional development opportunities to see where the weaknesses could be corrected. If there are weaknesses, how, how would we work to make that better? We as a district have worked some time ago on a corrective action plan when there was an, an effort to take over JCPS. We worked on that plan, we submitted that plan, we were allowed to do the work of that plan, and we remained the Jefferson County Public Schools with the work and the people working within Louisville, Kentucky for the Jefferson County Public Schools. So the Jefferson County Public School System has changed its student assignment plan. That's recently 
the new assignment plan will give students living in Louisville's West End a choice. They can either continue to take the school bus to a mostly white school in the suburbs, or they can choose to attend their reside school in their neighborhood. April 18, 2022, Louisville Courier Journal published an op-ed titled, quote, JCPS promise of Brown v. Board of Education is slipping away, end quote. The article was penned by the University of Louisville political science professor, Dr. Dewey Clayton. Dewey Clayton states, quote, polio is really offering black students in the West End a Hobbesian choice, taking what is available or nothing at all. But why do black students alone bear the task of desegregating JCPS schools, end quote. Clayton believes that the new assignment plan will resegregate the Jefferson County public school system. Then Clayton states, quote, this absence of interaction between white students and students of color leads to negative stereotypes and misconceptions about their behavior and status. If the new JCPS student assignment plan will resegregate the JCPS population and any opportunity for racial diversity, considering the fact that the research demonstrates that segregated schools create division between the mostly white majority and the minorities of color. Shouldn't JCPS come up with a student assignment plan that would create a diverse population? What would that plan look like? I think that when we first started, when the districts merged, we tried to come up with a plan that showed diversity throughout the district. What we have found is in the last years, the plan has not worked as effectively as we would like it to work. As it pertains to segregation, I want to go back to my life history. I started my education in a segregated school. I'm proud of that. I went to Virginia Avenue Elementary School, but that was the only, it was not like a choice. That is where I went to school. I have worked in the district long enough to see the, the two counties put together to come up with what we have currently. As it pertains to segregation, there is segregation by district. The district that I represent because of the population that I serve and that lives in our district, you would say, just looking at that, that the district is segregated. So when you say you're giving us choice in district one, yes, you're giving us a choice to stay at a neighborhood school or say stay someplace within district one. That has been a concern that the, the task of having an integrated district has fallen on students of color by saying, leave where you are and go someplace else. So as we move forward with the student assignment plan, as students make a decision as to whether they will stay closer in their district as opposed to taking the bus drive ride far further away, that is one part of the plan. The part of the plan that I am focused on is academics. Wherever you go to school, you should be able to learn. And I said in my comments when we took the vote for this, once upon a time, Central High School, the Central historic Central High School was a segregated school. We had the best teachers, we had the best students. So the question is learning. How do we provide learning to our students Choices, yes. When we set up the magnet programs in JCPS, the magnet programs were set up based on their location to bring people into the urban core more, and that worked somewhat. But now there is a concern, and rightly so, that why should some population have to take the long bus drive to get to a school? 
the question for me is quality education should be offer, offered all over Jefferson County. And quality education means learning for all students all over Jefferson County. The magnet opportunity has worked. In some cases, magnets, we have many students that are trying to, we probably will need more magnets in time to accommodate the numbers of uh, students that are applying to go to our magnet program. So as it pertains to segregation, district by district, there are seven districts, seven board members. You can look at each district and see what that district looks like. I know that the, uh, the data for the district that I represent, my purpose is to continue to talk, strategize, and be bold about the achievement level of the students in District 1 is not what it needs to be, and we need to stop making excuses for that, and we need to move forward with a plan. That's why part of this plan has an accountability issue in it. Not only is it a plan written down, there's implementation, but there's also accountability so we don't go many years and look back and say, oh, we should have done something different. So we have to move forward with the positive attitude that this will work, but how do we know it works is by looking at our students. Every student in JCPS is entitled and must have a quality education regardless of their zip code. I say that as a person whose zip code back in the day, they would have said that perhaps I couldn't learn. I don't like that. All students can learn. It's our responsibility to provide the learning opportunity for every student in JCPS. So you mentioned the magnet program. There will be changes in the JCPS magnet program. What will the changes in the magnet program mean for black kids, black students? One of the things that we are working on, and we have the director of the, the office is going to work with magnet programs more, so I, I don't want to speak and give the total answer to that. I know that it's a work in progress. I know that one of the, the concerns has been that all students were not aware of the magnet programs. All students did not apply for the magnet program. And as I have just said to you, even in applications, some schools have more applications than we have room for. And that is true for the district that I am elected to represent. I know that in District 1, the magnet programs, there are waiting lists to get into the schools. But the question is, how are we communicating what choices our students have to parents, to family, and to the community so students know that there are options for them as they sign up for their classes? We have a showcase of schools every year but that is not the only communication that we will be using to talk to our families, to talk to our community. The most important person to understand is the person that is giving guidance and direction to the students when it comes to enrolling them in the school. So we are, I know that we are doing a better job, or the goal is to do a better job. One of the comments I made the night that we made, that we took the vote, is the parents in District 1 do not totally understand the plan. So from that, I heard from Miss Amanda that there will be a team that will be out in the community working with our families to make sure that they understand what options are available to our students. So JCPS also plans to build two new elementary schools, one new middle school in Louisville's West End. Tell us about these new schools. How will the new middle schools 
elementary schools benefit African-American students? Currently, JCPS is building one new elementary school at 18th and Broadway on the, the plot of land where the YMCA is. That is the new elementary school that we are building by merging together Roosevelt Perry Elementary, which is in the Russell area, and Phyllis Wheatley, which is in the California area. Those are very close geographically. So the new school is being built for the students in those two communities to go to the new facility. And that project is currently in place. You can drive by and see work being done. I do not have a date as to when the school will open. We're opening two new elementary schools in JCPS this fall, but they are not elementary schools in District 1. As it pertains to middle schools, the superintendent has promised to provide another middle school in District 1. So as we go back talking about choice, there will be a middle school choice if a student in District 1 would like to stay closer to home. Currently, there are middle schools in District 1, but perhaps we need another middle school. The Grace James Academy for Excellence is a new program that we have started that currently has sixth, seventh, and will have an eighth grade in the fall. But the board has voted with the recommendation and with the ask of the, of the program to extend that program grades six through 12. So we will be looking for land to build the Grace James Academy of Excellence. This is a school for females, just like the W.E. Du Bois is a school for males. And it's for all students of color that choose to select to go to those schools. But it's a program that you will apply for. So currently, I can say that we have an elementary school under construction. We do not have the land purchased at this time, but we were scheduled to have a new middle school. And I was at a meeting some time ago, and the superintendent said at that meeting that the goal is to have the middle school built in the next 24 months. Currently, we do not have the land identified. The same is true as we're looking for space for the Grace James Academy of Excellence. Where it's currently located, it's currently located in what used to be Roosevelt Perry Elementary School. There is not land to extend it in that plot, uh, so we're looking for additional space for them to have that program. I know this is an issue that's near and dear to your heart, Diane Porter. An article published by WDRB-TV titled, quote, JCPS test scores show little progress, achievement gap widens among student groups, demonstrates a persistent standardized test score gap between the mostly white students from mostly middle-class families and the mostly black students from mostly working-class families. A quote from WDRB article states, quote, Indeed, the district's achievement gap between white and black students increased to 29.4% this year, 28.4% last year. The data shows that just over 58% of white students scored proficient in reading and math, while only 29% of black students did. So talk about the JCPS plan for improving the standardized test scores for African-American students. Will new school buildings and school choice do the trick? Or is there a need to change instruction, perhaps diminish student-teacher ratio? What's your thoughts? Well, new school buildings are new school buildings. But what is important about a new school building is what happens when the child walks in the door and goes to class. So what we know is we have work to do as it pertains to educating our students. 
yes, there is a gap. Yes, as the board member for District 1, you will hear me talking about that gap and how do we close that gap? How do we work with the student population that we have? Again, I will, I will leave this earth saying all children deserve the right to learn. So it's our responsibility to see that children learn providing whatever it takes. For example, we have a Ready for K, Ready for Kindergarten program. Research tells us that if we get students ready coming in the door, that they achieve better because if they are ready for kindergarten, by the time they get to third grade, the reading uh, scores are looked at. So we have to work student by student, school by school to develop the best instructional program. Education is not one size fits all. Education is a huge door that is opened. And it's like, I guess, going into, a, I'll say, a department store where things are on sale. You go from this area to this area to this area. It's our responsibility to provide learning areas, learning opportunities for every student. I am not satisfied with the gap in learning. I will not be satisfied with that. We have work to do, and it's our responsibility to do that work and to not be quiet about it until we see progress happening. So there was an article titled, quote, U of L Research, Gaps in Student Achievement and This One Go Hand in Hand, penned by Liz Schumerman, using research conducted in the 2017-2018 school year, quoting data taken from the first six weeks. That research demonstrates that, quote, 59 suspensions for every 100 black students black male students, 32 suspensions for every 100 black female students, 17 suspensions for every 100 white male students, and eight suspensions for every 100 white female students, end quote. The data clearly demonstrates that black students make up the majority of students suspended in JCPS school system. The Schumer article also, quote, found that when achievement gaps were wider, between white and black students, so were there racial differences in suspensions and expulsions, and vice versa, end quote. They also, quote, found that when one gap decreased over a two-year period, so did the other, end quote. So the research demonstrates that when suspension rates decrease, MAP standardized test scores, MAP is a measure of academic progress, those test scores increase. How does JCPS reduce suspension rates without sacrificing safety or jeopardizing classroom structure? I think there has to be a plan, again, building by building, but also universally parents need to know and students need to know that schools are safe. And yes, we do have issues where students have been suspended. Again, I have spent my lifetime as an educator. I have worked in buildings. I have seen some students uh, suspended. The numbers in this article are concerning to anyone, regardless of the, of we're focusing on suspensions, we're focusing on because students are not there academically. The other thing that you will hear is getting students to school, attendance, how do we get them there? It's not acceptable that we just continue to suspend students. And I know in some cases there are other options to suspending students, there are things that you can do to work with students so that they are not necessarily suspended. But the other conversation we hear is we don't want fights in schools. We don't want students hurt in schools. No, we do not. So it's our responsibility to be present 
to be monitoring and to work with students and suspending does not always take effect overall long term. I understand what a suspension does. As a counselor, my question would be, how much time are we spending with the students working with the issues that have perhaps created the problem? So we have work to do. I cannot tell you word for word what the plan is, but these articles and information data that you are presenting clearly states to us, to me, that we have work to do. It's our responsibility to continue the work for the good of the students that we're educating in Louisville, Kentucky. So a classroom, new classroom management technique now being implemented in some JCPS schools calls for, quote, restorative practice, end quote. Restorative practice does not focus on punitive techniques, but requires the offending party to make amends for the damage he or she has caused. Restorative practice requires both the offended party and the offender to work together to restore conflict. As you know, restorative practice came from the legal concept called restorative justice. How is restorative practice working within the Jefferson County Public School System? And do you support the concept? I think restorative practice is, is one of the choices that we can use to work with students. I'm not totally familiar with what's going on in every classroom. Perhaps that is a question we need to ask school by school. I had an opportunity to see restorative practice at a school in Baltimore when we first started talking about this. So I was able to visit a school and see how things were working. I do know that in the district that I represent, there was a situation where something happened and restorative practice was used with the student with the parents and there was a plan put in place so that the student would, as you say, restore or to make amends for some things that had happened as opposed to just immediately saying you're suspended for X number of days. I think that the board probably or maybe we should ask for a conversation about how we're using it, where we're using it, and what is the impact by using restorative practice. I do believe that it can work. It's an option that can work. I won't say that it can work for 100%, but I think that it's an opportunity to work to keep a student in school to so that we are not removing them from um, instruction when possible. Okay. So immigrants, uh, that's a growing uh, situation. The immigrants now compose 14% of the some 98,000 JCPS student body population. What's your plan for educating the growing immigrant population? Will a growing immigrant population contribute to the standardized test score gap that exists between mostly white and mostly middle-class students and the mostly students of color from mostly working-class families? I think that Louisville, Kentucky is a city that we welcome immigrants to come live in Louisville, Kentucky. So as a board member, I welcome immigrants to come to the Jefferson County Public Schools. Again, I will go back to the statement that I made, all students deserve an opportunity to learn. What I have seen over time is many immigrants come willing to learn, wanting to learn, and are focused on learning. So I don't want it to be said that because we're having immigrants that that's going to change the instructional numbers. I don't know that to be true until somebody shows me that. But again, it's 
meeting the student where they are, embracing the student, encouraging the student, and providing instruction for them. They deserve, as every student deserves, an opportunity to learn. We are a city that has, for years, received immigrants. And I, I have no problems with that because I think that all students deserve the opportunity to learn. And uh, we should not label students based on where they're from as to whether they can learn or not. I, I think that that is unfair. And I think as a district, it's our responsibility to provide learning. In some cases, it's providing interpreters and things like that. We can do that. We know we can do that. So House Bill 9, originally sponsored by Chad McCoy, and supported by Republican legislators, now law, will provide federal and state funding for charter schools. WDRB article penned by Kevin Wheatley, April 7, 2022, quotes Governor Bashir, quote, I am against charter schools, end quote, Bashir said before signing HB 9 veto. And then, quote, they are wrong for our commonwealth. They take taxpayer dollars away from the already underfunded public schools in the Commonwealth, and our taxpayer dollars should not redirect it to for-profit entities that run charter schools, end quote. Do you support HB 9? Do you believe that HB 9 will indeed take money from the public school system? I cannot support anything that will take money away from our children. What they are presenting is another school, another concept of how to provide instruction. But if that's going to happen, it should not be with the, that should not come with taking money away from any school system if that's what they choose to do with, with uh, starting a charter school program. The district that I represent has had disparities for years, so I will never support taking away. I'm always looking to add to, to enhance and to provide better instruction. So. I don't want to say yes or no with the bill. I would like to say, let's talk about how we can equalize the, the funding and not take away from the districts that have not had the funding that they needed to have over the years, because some of the dollars that we have received over the years has decreased. Our student population has not decreased. So I, I don't have an answer yes or no, except I will always say that we cannot afford to take dollars away from the students and the schools that need it the most. The Wheatley article also states, quote, HB 9 would require the Jefferson County Board of Education and either the Northern Kentucky University Board of Regents or a collective member of local boards of education in counties with four or more school districts to approve at least one charter school, Urban Academy, end quote, to open in their jurisdictions for a five-year pilot project. The Jefferson County Public Schools and Northern Kentucky University boards would have until July 1st, 2023 to approve their required charter schools, while the collective would have an extra year to do so under HB9, end quote. So HB9, does require JCPS to establish a charter school under its jurisdiction, but charter schools are funded in part by private businesses. How much authority will the JCPS 
board have concerning the one charter school in its district is JCPS being singled out because it is one of two school districts ordered to establish a charter school? Do you support or do you oppose charter schools? I think that we need more work. I understand the, the words that are being used telling us what to do. I think that it sounds easy, but that's that's not an easy task based on what they are telling us to do. Once again, telling us what to do without looking at, at all the ingredients for instruction and education in JCPS. So I don't have uh, a yes or no answer on that. I think that's more work to be done. And again, telling us what to do without working with us makes it difficult for us to get the work done. So that's something that we will have to spend some time on as we move forward. Okay. So let's talk about school safety, Diane Porter. In the light of over 200 mass shootings in America already this year, we are, as so many others, looking for solutions to this violence in schools. One recommendation to resolve shootings in schools is to employ a security resource officer, SRO, in every school to provide more safety for students and staff. As of June 28th, there have been 27 school shootings this year in 2022. There have been 119 school shootings since 2018 when Education Week began tracking those incidences. The highest number of shootings, 34, occurred last year. There were 10 shootings in 2022 and 24 in 2019. SB 1, passed in 2019, states that, quote, school resource officers, SROs, are to be assigned to each school, funding permitted, end quote. Will this law force JCPS to provide a school resource officer for each school? Do you agree with the law? Do you have a better plan? Currently, the JCPS Board of Education has approved a school security plan, and we will be working from that plan until someone tells us otherwise. We will have security in place. We will not have an armed SRO in every school. For the district that I represent, I have talked to my constituents. It is upsetting to some parents, to some students, regardless of who the person is, to see an armed, someone with, an, with a weapon in a school setting. As we talk about mental health for children, we need to listen to what upsets our children. And yes, we want safe. Yes, we have, we have established our own security plan that we feel that will be effective. We will have people in place. We will have an unarmed person in the school that will be working on school security, but the person that if we need to contact from our security department, those officers will be in very close range if there were something to happen. Again, we need to look at what's best for students. As we talk about mental health, I have as looking at the news every day, it's very concerning that we are losing students because of gun violence. It's very concerning that we're losing adults because of gun violence. So is the question having an armed officer or is the question, why is it so easy to have an opportunity to have a weapon? So we have our own security plan that we have approved as a board 
we will move forward with that with the understanding of keeping a safe school environment. As it pertains to particularly younger students, it is not our right to provide more mental issues for them when we say that we're going to have someone armed in the building. And we have cases where having an armed person does not necessarily stop something. So please allow us to use to implement the plan that we have voted on to see how that will work within our district. We have just approved the plan. We will go forward with it as school starts in the fall. Okay, so as a former teacher, retired teacher, I know that there has always been issues concerning safety and issues that students bring to schools. So the federal program uh, funding will provide money for an additional mental health counselors for each building. That's correct, right? And so how will that contribute to the the safety and the uh, discipline problem in Jefferson County Public Schools, that additional counselor? I think it will help, but I also will say that it's it takes, in some schools, it will take more than one person based on the size of the school enrollment. It's easy to say, I'll give you one person, but some of the uh, staff members that are working as mental health professionals will say to you, they need more people. So it's our responsibility not to say you're going to get one. It's our responsibility to look at the population and determine what the need is and put the, put the need in the school. And to, to not do that, it's stressing, overworking, and the person, that one person. So it's like putting teachers in the building. We've got to place people that are needed based on the needs of each individual school. Yes, we're getting more money. Thank you. Yes, we need more money. Thank you. And the more money that we can have as we move forward to provide the mental health counselors. After we get the money, we have to find the people to do the mental health work. The same is true of teachers. As we talk about smaller classrooms, we've got to figure out how we can provide an opportunity for more teachers to come to JCPS because to say we're going to have smaller class sizes without having teachers, that makes it difficult. And to me, we need to listen to our teachers to see what we need to do to support them as they come on as a teacher. I was a teacher once, so they have their thoughts that they could share with us, in my opinion. Okay. So the Jefferson County Public School Board voted to raise the property tax of Jefferson County residents by 4%. Did you support this increase? Why? I supported the increase because of the inequity in the, the facilities in JCPS. And if this money is going to be used to do what we said it was going to be used, it is going to be helpful to our school district. For the district that I, I'm not talking about all seven districts, I'm talking about the district that I am most familiar with. For years, District 1 has had to wait for things to happen facilities-wise. That is, that is unacceptable. Whereas in other districts, if something is happens, it, it is fixed. So if these dollars are going to help us with our facility needs, there are, there are significant facility needs within the district 
not just in District 1. So let's use the money as we say we're going to use the money. Hold us accountable for the money. We're going to report to the community how the money, how the funds will be used. So it's not, it's not going to be a secret. It will be information for everyone to have as to how the dollars are going to be used. I think it is necessary, again, based on what facilities look like within the district. All schools should be, they should be good facilities. We should not have schools that have, some parts have air, some parts don't have air, especially this summer when we're dealing with temperatures that are unbelievable. We want it to be a safe environment. So I look forward to us, how we will use the money, how we'll report it out to the community and how we will evaluate what we need to do moving forward. So according to a survey of its members released in February 2022 by the National Teachers Association, NTA, a staggering 55% of educators are thinking about leaving the profession earlier than they had planned, end quote. In the same month, Forbes magazine reported teachers are leaving for a variety of reasons, teacher burnout and low pay, lost aspects of the profession that they love during virtual teaching or that their district's response to COVID-19. What's it look like in Jefferson County? Are teachers leaving at an unexpected rate? What is your response to the reasons for the potential and actual existing of teachers? Teachers are leaving JCPS. Staff is leaving JCPS. That has been a news item this week sharing the numbers of what it looks like in JCPS. One of the things, this is just my personal opinion, this is not a law or anything that we're doing, we need to talk to our teachers. We need to find out what our teachers need more of. Again, it's about how do we support our teachers. And yes, again, because of the pandemic that we have lived through, things have, things have been different this year, but there is no exit interview on the way out. There's no way for us to determine what the thoughts were as, as teachers or as any staff member is leaving. We need staff, period. What we found out during the pandemic was we need, not only needed teachers, we needed all, all staff to help us keep our schools going the way they should. So as a person that has been a teacher, as a person that highly respects teachers, I think we need to respect the teachers' voices and to hear from them what their concerns are and see what we can do about it. And yes, some teachers leave teaching and move up to other areas within education, but what are we doing to keep our teachers here? What are their thoughts? What do we need to do to support them more? It's just like supporting our, our students. How do we support our, not only our teachers, but all staff members within the district that are doing the work? What can we do to support them? Okay, fair enough. So Dr. Monty Polio is now in his second term as the superintendent of the Jefferson County Public School System. Would you support him for a third term? What part of his administration would you like to see him change? I think the decision about whether Dr. Polio stays should be a decision for him to bring to us about. I Nationally, superintendents are leaving because that's what they do. 
they have they get called to do other things also. So I, I will not make that decision for the superintendent at this time. I think that's the conversation that he should have or will have with the board when, when that opportunity becomes available for, for him. It's his decision and it's our responsibility as a board to listen to his thoughts about if he wants to remain the superintendent in JCPS. Okay, so one final question. Why are you, Diane Porter, the best candidate that is running for JCPS school board from District 1? My answer would be, is my commitment to education, my background in education. I am very committed to the student assignment plan, choice plan. I have lived the plan. I want to see this implemented correctly. If it's not implemented correctly, it could have a very bad effect instructionally on some students. Some of those students are students in District 1. I think that we have a plan to have worked on the plan to be aware of the different parts of the plan and the different parts of education and my commitment to quality education not only for our students, but for our staff. I would hope that the people that have worked with me, the people that I have worked for, I would, I would listen to their words. Again, I was encouraged to become a school board member because of my work in education. At this time, based on the student assignment plan, I would like to be there to make sure that we had the plan, it's written, we've had the vote, but now the real work begins. The implementation of the plan is the real work and the accountability is the real work. And I would like to be there to see it through because it's extremely important for education in Jefferson County that we get it right. So I think that that is my commitment to education and I am honored to be the school board member at this time. I am also honored to be a retired person from the Jefferson County Public Schools who have an opportunity to do multiple jobs, meet multiple people, and to have great opportunities for students. I think that my commitment, my dedication, my compassion, all of those make me a, a candidate that will be a good board member for District 1. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, we're out of time. Our conversation has been with JCPS board member, Diane Porter. Diane Porter, we appreciate your joining us as we explore more solutions to violence. Thank you once again for sharing your time and your experience with our listeners here on Board Radio, WFMP Radio. Listeners, you can listen to Solutions to Violence live stream by visiting us at forwardradio.org and choose Listen Live Now. We air Solutions to Violence on Mondays at 5 p.m., Tuesdays at 8 a.m., and Wednesdays at 6 a.m. The Solutions to Violence program that features Diane Porter will air again August 2nd and 3rd. This program featuring Diane Porter will be placed in our archives August 3rd. To listen via our archives, visit us at forwardradio.org choose Program Archives, and scroll down to the Solutions Files program that features Diane Porter. If you'd like to share your thoughts about our discussion with Diane Porter, you can reach us 
with the following email address, solutionsofviolence18 at gmail.com. At this time, we want to invite any candidate that is running for Jefferson County Public School Board to appear on our program. If you're interested, just contact us at solutionsofviolence18gmail.com. We'd love to have you on. I'm Jim Johnson. My co-host is Jamie McMillan, and our technical engineer is Carolyn Brooks Johnson, wishing you and yours wellness, safety, and peace in these challenging COVID pandemic times. Until next time, please keep the peace in your own personal way and help others do the same. Thanks for listening.